Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell, written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Dom the Demetrodon catches a smile. Dominic, time for school, shouted his mum. Dom grumbled to himself. Why did mum have to call me Dominic? When he got to school, Annie the Archaeopteryx called out the names on the register. Albert, here miss. Ben, here miss. Carrie, here miss. Dominic. Today, Dominic really didn't like being called Dominic, so he made a fuss. Please miss, can you call me Dom? Of course. Are you here, Dom? Dom couldn't believe it was that easy and smiled at Annie. Yes, miss. Annie smiled back, then continued with the register. Edgar? Later that afternoon, when Dom got home from school, his mum called. Dominic, time for homework. Mum, can you call me Dom instead of Dominic? If you like, Dom, said his mum, smiling. Dom smiled back. It's catching, you know, said his mum. What's catching? A smile. It's infectious. Dinosaurs catch it from other dinosaurs who smile at them. Then Dom remembered he'd smiled at Annie when she'd called him Dom, and she'd smiled back. His mum was right. A smile was very infectious indeed. Tomorrow he would make a fuss and tell all the dinosaurs to call him Dom, and when they did, he would infect them with his smile. By tea time the next day, every dinosaur in Dino Dell had caught Dom's smile. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Tuesday and on Tuesdays we always meet Carlos and his friends. So here is another meow story written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Do enjoy and sleep well. Carlos was bored with the cat food he was given. He wanted a change from tinned beef and lamb. The supermarket must have something else. He had seen fish lorries going past from the window. An idea came to him. One morning, Carlos sat in the front garden, such as it was, waiting for one to go past. He didn't have to wait long before one did. On its side, a giant fish and Billingsgate fish market. He'd heard about this place. Rumour had it you could find every edible fish plus much more besides. Now if he could just hitch a ride somehow, it would be quicker than the tube or the bus, also less chance of getting lost on the way. Carlos hightailed it to the supermarket deliveries at the back of the shop where the trays of fish were being carried in. All those fantastic aromas drifting through the air were making his mouth water. But where to hide on the truck? The driver had left the cab door open. Carlos hopped in, hiding under the passenger seat, along with an old newspaper, smelly wellies and gloves. Carlos's nose started to twitch. An unmistakable whiff of the fish market drifted into the cab. They must be getting near. Two minutes later, they arrived. This could be heaven, but it was so vast. Where to start once he was out of the lorry without being seen? There must be some local cat somewhere to help him. Sure enough, 
one appeared, with a large fish in his mouth, chased by security. Carlos had to help him, charging, then leaping, claws extended, landing at the top of his legs, stopping him in his tracks. Carlos released his grip, leaving the guard nursing his wounds, shouting expletives. Carlos shot after the other cat to catch him up and found him hiding in a stack of pallets. Where did you come from? I'd have been at the end of his size 13 boot, if not for you. Thanks, he said. Hitched a ride on that lorry from Brixton. I'm Carlos, by the way, he replied. Pleased to meet you. I'm Cedric. What are you doing here? I'd heard rumours about this place, but didn't know if they were true. So I had to find out. How'd you get in? said Carlos. I'll show you. But first, do you want some of this? I'll never eat all of it. Ooh, yes please, said Carlos, and they both tucked in. Carlos followed Cedric up a pile of pallets and in through a gap in the cladding. There was a metal framework as far as the eye could see above all the stalls. People rushing about the place in white coats, wellies and beanie hats, pushing trolleys and barrows. Carlos had never seen so many different fish in his life, all shapes and sizes. No one knew they were there, looking down. So, how do you get a fish? asked Carlos. You wait for one to fall off a cart or trolley, then jump down and run off with it, trying not to be seen. Look, there's one now. Now's your chance. Go for it, Cedric urged. Carlos didn't need any encouragement. He was already on top of a cabin, then a stack of boxes. He grabbed a sardine and shot round the back before anyone saw him. Cedric was there waiting. Good work. You're a natural, he said. I'm a friend of the country who catches his own from a stream. This is much easier, replied Carlos. Thank you for the tour. It's been most interesting. Now I must be getting home. I'll hitch a ride like this morning, he said, looking for the same lorry as they left the building. Hello and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. It's Thursday evening, so the story this evening will all be about the McMinnie family, written and narrated by Crazy Grandma. Enjoy and sleep well. The McMinnie Birthday Jelly by Crazy Grandma How many McMinnies have you met? Well, if you said none, I wouldn't be surprised. As you know, the McMinnie family live in a biscuit tin underneath the shed in the rubbery shrubbery, just around the corner from the shop. They are a large family and generally get on well with each other and their friends. They are very friendly, but unless you know them, they don't normally speak to strangers like us. I am very small myself and I have seen them out and about. I'm a bit too large to squeeze into their home, so I have a little wooden stool just next to their house and I often have a cup of tea and a little chat with them, mainly in the summer when it's warm enough to sit outside. Mr McMinnie is married to Mrs McMinnie and they have three children. The eldest is McIsaac, then McAlfie and the youngest is McMelia. Mrs McMinnie's dad lives with them and his name is McGrampy. 
Mr. McMinnie's mother also lives with them and her name is McGrandma. Luckily, both grandparents enjoy gardening and they can often be seen weeding and digging in the vegetable patch behind the shed. The children enjoy being outside, especially when they join in the sports. They often tease each other and can be very competitive. As you know, they have lessons at home with their sports teacher, Mr McTrainer. He teaches football, volleyball, sprinting and swimming, but not all at the same time. They also have Miss McBossy, who teaches the children literacy, writing, history and geography. All the subjects that need pens and paper. Last Friday it was McIsaac's birthday and he was allowed to choose what they would have for pudding. He eagerly chose a strawberry jelly and they set off to the shop in the truck to buy a tub. At the shop they had a special door in the floor which small people can use. The manager helped to load the pot of jelly which would seem very small to us but it was huge to the McMinnies. So large indeed that McIsaac decided to ride home on top of the jelly pot. When they had secured the jelly, Mr McMinnie set out along the narrow pathway back to their biscuit tin. It was quite bumpy but all the children loved bouncing around inside the truck. At the last corner the truck bounced very high as they crossed a speed bump. McIsaac flew up into the air and dropped into the pot of jelly. The children laughed as McIsaac tried to climb out of the jelly, but he kept sliding back down. The more he tried to climb up to the top, the more he slid down to the bottom. They soon stopped laughing when they saw tears trickling down his tiny cheeks. Mr and Mrs McMinnie stopped the truck to see what all the fuss was about. They were horrified to see McIsaac inside the jelly. They climbed to the top of the pot and tried to reach inside to pull him out, but they too almost fell into the jelly. Mr McMinnie decided they needed to push the jelly pot over to see if they could climb in and pull McIsaac out. All the family climbed into the back of the truck and together they pushed the pot of jelly onto its side. Whoosh! went the jelly and whoosh! went McIsaac as he shot out of the pot and landed in a pool of jelly. Well, they all laughed and made jelly balls, which they threw at each other. Even Mr and Mrs McMinnie joined in. They laughed and had a great jelly fight. Finally, when the last jelly ball had been thrown, Mrs McMillie said, Well, what a fine mess. And all the children keen to lick their fingers before they jumped into the bath. What a fun birthday. What is your favourite pudding? Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Wednesday and on Wednesdays we always meet Trisky and Freddie. So here is another adventure story written and narrated by Crazy Grandma. Do enjoy and sleep well. Trisky and Freddy help to build an animal sanctuary by Crazy Grandma. Trisky and Freddy had been busy helping at the local animal shelter. 
they were amongst many volunteers who came into the shelter every day to help look after the animals. Each day was different and Trisky and Freddie really enjoyed helping. Some days they would be needed to wash up the food bowls and make sure each animal had enough warm bedding and a clean area. Some days they would be given the task of measuring the food for each animal, being sure not to overfeed them. Trisky particularly enjoyed helping the cats, especially the feral ones, who chose to live just outside the sanctuary and only came when they could smell food. Freddy preferred the days when he was in charge of walking with the dogs and had made lots of friends during his time at the sanctuary. One afternoon, just as they were leaving to go home for tea, Trisky's ring began to buzz and she quickly said the magic words, Tixie Pixie show and tell, and the ring opened. As they peered into the ring, they could see some donkeys and some dogs and cats and a mix of other small animals, including chickens, doves and goats. As they looked closely at the animals, they could see they were all very thin and some were limping and others had lost most of their fur and even the birds had lost their tail feathers. What is this all about, Freddy? said Trisky as she scrolled through pictures. Look here, said Freddy. They are living in a deserted town and some of the buildings are smashed and broken. They look like they are starving too. Okay, said Trisky. Let's go. Let's see what we can do. They set off to the town and as they circled the area, they watched carefully to ensure they were safe to land. On the ground, they could see lots of damaged houses and only a few people who were afraid of strangers. Trisky and Freddy knew they had a huge task to resolve and decided the best thing was to talk to the families and see how they could help. As they chatted with the village elder, it was clear that not only the animals needed help, but so did the people. Trisky called some of her friends to come and join them. She particularly needed friends to help repair and rebuild the houses and to help with the animals. As always, her friends did not let her down and by the morning they had arrived with lots of materials for digging, building and mending. They also brought some food and water for everyone, including the animals. Together they began to rebuild some of the houses and set up a small communal kitchen with a repaired stove. They even managed to connect some water to a sink. As soon as the people were settled, they then set about taking care of the animals. One of Trisky's friends is Chi Chi, and she is an animal doctor. She said they need to be set up an appeal to raise money for medicines and food for the animals because some of them were starving to death and some had life-threatening sores which needed antibiotics. Trisky sent out a message to every person she could think of to ask if they could send some money or medicines and food. By the next day, lots of food and even some money had arrived on all kinds of magic vehicles. The villagers quickly joined with Trisky and Freddy to build shelters for the animals and prepare food for them to eat. They also helped Trisky and Chi Chi to hold the animals while they put cream on their sores and cleaned their skin. Very soon, the villagers were growing their own food and helping the animals exercise. 
Trisky knew the villagers and the animals would continue to need help, so they set up a web page asking for donations to ensure the families and their animals continued to be safe and well. Trisky, Freddy and Chi Chi know it is not enough to love animals. It is important to be dedicated and prepared to commit time and energy to ensure people and animals are properly cared for. Money is also important as well, as the commitment to be there and to make sure we take care of each other and our animals. Night night and take care. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Friday's Bedtime Story. Here is another story about the chimps Milo and his sister Macy and all the inhabitants of Magnolia Avenue. Written by Becca Cook and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Do enjoy. Milo and Macy walk in their parents' shoes. It was a typical April warm but rainy day in the rainforest. Take your child to work day had arrived. Milo the monkey and his sister Macy look forward to a fun but educational day ahead. That morning would be spent with their father Jared, who was a carpenter, followed by an afternoon with their mother Flo, who was a dentist. Milo was unsure about spending the afternoon looking inside people's mouths, but would go along. Dressed in dungarees, Milo and Macy stood still while Jared attached a small tool belt around their waists. Inside Milo's was a hammer and chisel, whilst Macy's contained a tape measure, pad and pencil. Jared studied his list of jobs when the telephone rang. Milo and Macy looked at one another with raised eyebrows as they listened to Jared talk. Oh my, but of course I will come straight away. I have Milo and Macy with me this morning, which will be a great help, stated Jared. Macy clung on to Jared and Milo followed as they swung through the trees until they reached Gateway Shopping Boulevard. Orion the Toucan, who was waiting for them at his bookshop, seemed flustered. I'm so pleased to see you all. My precious books are scattered across the floor. This book must have been too heavy for the shelf and it snapped in two. Now, Orion, there is nothing we cannot fix, said Jared reassuringly, with a warm smile. Entering the shop, they picked up the fallen books and placed them on the counter. The shelf was indeed broken. Right, Milo and Macy, I will take the old shelf down and we will make a new stronger one for Orion, Jared explained. Milo and Macy were careful to follow Jared's instructions, not touching certain tools to keep them safe. Macy helped Jared to measure the length of the shelving needed and jotted this down on the notepad. Jared carried in a thick plank of recycled wood and watched him carve a beautiful strong shelf. Macy helped Jared mark on the wood where the brackets would go. Under guidance from Jared, Milo screwed in the brackets into the wall. 
Finally, Jared slid the shelf onto the brackets and secured the floating shelf in place. They all stood back to admire their work. Orion the Toucan was thrilled and went about placing the books on the new shelf. They waved goodbye and Jared took Milo and Macy home for a lunch and a change of clothes, ready to spend the afternoon at the dentist. Entering the dentist office, Milo and Macy wrinkled their noses. It smelt of clove oil. Flo waved and beckoned them over to the reception desk. Studying the afternoon list, there were four customers. The first was Chimp Lola with baby Charlie. As Milo and Macy washed their hands, Lola and Charlie entered. Flo gained Lola's consent for Milo and Macy to help with today's checkup. Lola made herself comfortable in the dentist's chair. Baby Charlie was asleep in Lola's arms. Flo showed Milo and Macy a picture of 32 teeth and explained the four different types. Lola opened her mouth and Milo looked for the canine teeth, which are sharp and pointed. Flo checked the teeth, which were all healthy. They listened to Flo giving Lola advice on how to clean in between her teeth with coconut fibres or blades of grass. It was fascinating. That evening, Flo and Jared discussed with Milo and Macy what they had both enjoyed most from walking in their shoes for a day. Milo reflected and shared, surprisingly, I really like looking at the different types of teeth and learning how to care for them. Macy beamed. I enjoyed woodwork and learning how to create something beautiful out of recycled materials. The day had been a success and both had learnt a lot. They fell asleep dreaming of what jobs they might do when they get older. Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith. Welcome to at Midnight was brought to you by Sunday. Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridge. by Victoria Jane Clark. Do enjoy, children. Folding the colours. Folding the fabric and dripping on the colours, the twisted and tied fabric now has to sit for hours. Time goes so slowly, it almost stops ticking. I just can't wait to see what I'm making. Teal and lilac, yellow and sapphire, all the colours seep together, forming shapes you see in fire. Finally, the time has come. I untie the fabric until it's all undone. Wash it all out, watch all the colours melt away. But open up the fabric and hold it up to the light of day. Rainbows and swirls and patterns galore, not one tie-dye is the same, each one never made before. Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.